0: Well, we are rocking and rolling through our psalm song series today. And so I invite you all to sit back, relax, and sing along if you know it.
1: Well, I love a rainy night, I love a rainy night. I love to hear the thunder, watch the lightning lights up the sky. Makes me feel good. Well, I love a rainy night, such a beautiful sun. I'm not
0: Here we are uh, launching every single psalm, uh, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, psalm, service, uh, uh, with a secular song, and I have been waiting to do this Eddie Rabbit song. It's like, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a bit of a country fan anyway, and so um, Eddie just fits in my wheelhouse really well, and so I wanted to do it, okay? Um, Welcome to Father's Day 2023. Listen, on your way out, um, just a quick reminder, there is Dad's root beer, in that that cooler out there, those coolers out there, if there's any dads left. If there's not dads, there is some equally good root beer that we got to fill in the corners. Okay, so make sure you get a cold, frosty root beer on us when you go out that door. Um, Just for the record, did you know, did a little bit of research, did you know that there are 72 million fathers in America? Now, personally, I would have thought there was more you know, 336 million people. Thought there might be more, but there's 72 million of us fathers out there. You know that 29 million of those fathers are actually grandfathers as well? Huh? Man, we're killing it. We're kicking the ball down the road. And I was thinking about that because Father, I mean, a Father's Day is not the holiday where people spend the most money. And I'm not like overtly complaining gifts is my love language those of you with the last name of wood i'm just saying i'm putting it out there but i did some checking around in 2021 there were 20,000 sporting goods stores in america that's right 20,000 sporting good stores there are were 15,000 Hardware stores for those of you that are trying to camouflage the gift that you bought your husband as a means of getting your deck fixed. Okay? Hey, honey, got you this new DeWalt battery drill kit set that's got everything to it. You might want to try it out on that back deck back there, huh? That you said you'd fix for me six months ago that I haven't nagged you about till now. Okay? Yeah, that one, okay? Did you know that there are 6,000 clothing stores? For those of you that still think buying your dad a tie is the way to go, okay? Listen to me. No. Just let it go. We're beyond that. But here, this one. This one is of the Lord. This one I saw and I thought, there is a reason this number is this high. In 2023, there were two. 136 boat dealerships where you can get your boat fixed or trade it in on a new one in America today. Now, come on. 97,000 boat dealerships. I feel like, as godly men chasing after Jesus, Peter and Andrew and James and John had a boat that Jesus could use at any time, and not knowing when he's coming back, we would do well to be prepared. And you wives, at least the godly ones, would do well to go get us one, about a 19-footer. Okay, nothing smaller than that, because Jesus can't use that. But I just thought, wow, this just food for thought. You know? Honestly, though, in my life growing up, The word Father wasn't a good word. It was a difficult word. Let me just say it that way. It was a difficult word. It wasn't an awful word, but it was a difficult word. And so I struggled with that. I met Jesus in 1977, and um, it was at a church that really emphasized the fatherhood of God and and our ability to come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in our time of need and things like that. (laughs) And uh, so as I uh, was growing, and they were like, hey, let's just thank uh, our Father God. And I was like, ah, it made me cringe inside. It just made me cringe. It just, it hurt a little bit. And then I was raised in a denomination where every time I walked into the worship center, it's like they had this big cross over the, you know, all the, the pulpit up there, and then th- there was a Jesus hanging on it still. And it's like, ah, hold on. Now that I've met Jesus, shouldn't somebody tell these people that he got off the cross? It's like, he's not there anymore. It's like, why do you have... a?" cross with Jesus on it he was risen from the dead on Sunday morning somebody tell these people it's like it's not about he's going to kill us he's going to kill us but I honestly grew up with the concept that you know um, I was scared to death of my dad I mean abjectly afraid of my father um, the household that we grew up in and then I was abjectly afraid of God because I thought he wanted to kill me and send me to hell I did not believe that, that he wanted me to come to heaven I thought he was like oh, you're still not good enough you are still not good enough. You're that filthy little kid. You keep stealing stuff. You keep doing all these sinful things. I, I, I don't want you. And honestly, when I finally did surrender my life to Jesus, it was, it was a difficulty because it, it was just like, uh, I, I, I just can't believe that he loves me. I just didn't want to go to hell. That really was it. I just didn't want to go to hell. It's like, please don't send me to hell. Please, I'll say, I'll do whatever I need. I went forward. I went forward. Okay? So father wasn't a good thing. It was, for me, a proverbial rainy night. A rainy night could be a good thing. It could be a difficult thing. You know, rain, rain can be good for us or too much rain, and it can be really hard for us. And so as we talk about this, I'm thinking about Eddie Rabbit, thinking about how he loves a rainy night and how sometimes, guess what? The storms, the difficulties that we go through, they're just not good. And we need to persevere. We need to move on. So anyway, but who doesn't love a good storm And feel the rain on your face and taste the rain on your lips. I love that. My wife and I love that. The other day it rained and then in the middle of the day it rained a little harder and I ran to the window. And it's like, you know, my dogs are like, what are you doing? Are we supposed to bark? Is there something out there? And I'm just like, no, I need to see the rain. I like to watch. I love to hear it on the roof. I love to see it on the deck. Um, and and it's wonderful. But I think that's what's going on in the psalmist this morning. I'm going to take you to Psalm 121, and I want you from now on, when somebody says Psalm 121, I want you to say, I love a rainy night. And, And when you hear Eddie Rabbit saying, I love a rainy night, I want you to say Psalm 121 right there, okay? I remember that. I want you to connect these two things together because, believe it or not, the psalmist who wrote Psalm 121 appeared to be facing a stormy night, appears to be facing something difficult, and I never knew that until I studied this thing and, and tried to turn it inside out. I always thought, this is great. I look to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Yeah. No, no, no. No, no, no. The concordance, or excuse me, the, the, uh, the book that I have in my office says, that's not the case. That's not the case. Listen to me. It says right here, I lift my eyes to the hill. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot uh, slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. And so as we look at this thing, this is a psalm that uh, somebody has written, and it's a psalm of ascent. It's a psalm of going up. Okay, you say, well, where are they going up to? Well, there are some different theories on that, all right? The largest or the most uh, respected theory is that there are three festivals in the Jewish life where the men are required to travel to Jerusalem. And so as you're going up to Jerusalem, you say, yeah, but they're headed south. But Jerusalem is setting up on a big hill, up on a mountain. Okay, and so they go up to Jerusalem. That's the way they talk. So they're going up to Jerusalem, and as you go, you're supposed to sing this psalm. You're supposed to say this psalm. You're supposed to be a part of this. The other one, the other um, cons- or, I- idea about what it means to be a psalm of ascent is that there are fifteen steps on the the or in front of the Jewish Temple number two. Okay, let me say it that way: the rebuilt Jewish Temple. There's fifteen steps. Okay, And the Levites, there are 15 psalms of ascent that make up the, the, uh, the, the great Hallel okay, that the, Mish- the Mishnah refers to as the great Hallel. So there's 15 of these psalms that are psalms of ascent and there's 15 steps going up to the temple. And so they would say a different one for every step as they went up and they would repeat these, these psalms. And so in either case... This is the situation. But what I found interesting when I was studying this is, it says, I will lift my eyes up to the hills. And that's not like, oh, I I find such safety in the hills. No, no, no. He says, I'm going up. He's going up to temple. Okay? So I lift my eyes up and I've got to go through those hills. 2,200, 2,200 years ago, traveling through the hills in and around Jerusalem was a ridiculously dangerous thing. Because robbers and thieves would jump out of the, the bushes and, and rob you and, and actually kill you. If you've been in this church long enough, you heard me say, "Why does Paul keep saying things like um, um, idolaters and, and, and you heathens and you pagans and you murderers? Why does he was murdering just a thing like hey, you want to go steal a six-pack? Yeah, and let's murder the guy. You know, it's like was there just so much murdering going on that, that Paul had to just say it every once in a while and stop being murderers? Okay, it's like yes, yes, it was because poor in Jesus' day." you and I cannot relate to. It was poor. And these people did not think twice about whacking somebody on the head and stealing what they could. And so this guy's going, I'm lifting up my eyes to the hill, hyphen. Now, we would understand. We don't know if that hyphen was there. But there was some sort of grammatical situation going on that they put the hyphen there. So now, imagine the, the, the psalmist saying this. I lift my eyes to the hills. I've got to get to Jerusalem and I've got to get through them. Where does my help come from? Don't worry, my help comes from the Lord. So what do you see going on now? Self-talk, right? Self-talk. I got new hips a couple years ago and I was so excited and I had to do all the little things that the you know the therapist that comes to your house says you got to do these like you know really dumb little exercises and stuff and it's like I don't even want to talk about the exercises I had to do it's embarrassing but she said you have to do them and I was I was ridiculous I was neurotic I did these exercises but I knew it was going to hurt, and I'm just telling you, there were times my wife would walk in the bathroom, and I would be in the, in, the, in the shower getting ready to get ready for my day, and my wife would hear me going in there, you got this, you can do it, it's going to hurt a little bit, but it's all right. It's like, man, we're going to win, we're going to win, we're going to walk again, it's going to be great, and she's like, who are you talking to in there? It's like, did she think I brought somebody home in the middle of the night, and they were in the shower with me? I said, Nobody. She said, you're talking to yourself. I said, I am. She said, you're doing a great job, honey. He said, you're encouraging yourself. You're a self-encourager. You can do this. It's great. And it's like, you're mocking me. No, I'm not mocking She was mocking me. But she says, No but there's the deal. And so that's what this guy is doing. He's saying, listen, I lift up my eyes to the hills. I want to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to temple and it's the mountains and it's the hills. And... But where does my help come from? Don't forget, you know, hey, little Joseph, that your help comes from the Lord, the maker of the heavens and the earth. We can go through those mountains. He, and he says all the rest of this to him and it becomes the psalm. It was written out for us. It becomes like I can get through this rainy night. I can do this thing. Where does my help come from? In the midst of difficult times. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The songwriters, David Malloy, Eddie Rabbit, and even Stevens, they wrote that song about people that embraced storms. And instead of being overwhelmed by them, they said, you know what? I'm going to get a cup of coffee and a blanket and go sit out on the porch. And I'm going to love me a rainy night. And I'm going to find a way to press into this. You know, storms come into our lives, they do. I'm sorry they do. It's a lot like you've heard me say before my, Tom, my, my buddy Tommy Anderson out in Oklahoma. He raised bucking stock bulls for the um, IFR, and then eventually he was trying to get the PCR, uh, PRCA. Um, you know, he, he sells you know, 2,000 pound bulls. But he always, you know, tries them out at Southwestern Oklahoma State University because they have a rodeo team. And he used to, 10 years, 10 years he hounded me. Hey, Pastor Joe, we're doing a bucking this coming Thursday. will not you come on down? I'll put you on a 500-pounder. It's like, no, Tommy, no. I don't want to get on an animal that doesn't want me on it. He's like, well, a horse doesn't want you on it. I only buy broke horses, okay? I only buy horses that have been taught to want me on them. He says, ah, come on. I said, Tommy... I might get hurt. He goes, oh, oh, no, 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 no. You will get hurt. You will get hurt. It's just when and how bad. He said, that's the deal. Okay, a storm in your life is the same thing. Storms come to everybody. Nobody is immune from them. It's just a matter of when and how bad. And that's what we're talking about today as we look at Psalm 121. God, I'm looking at the hills where there's robbers and there's thieves, and I want to come to your presence. But how will I do this? My help comes from the Lord. The maker of heaven and earth. I'm going to talk myself into the fact that God is right there. I'm going to remind myself of all the good things that God's done for me. All the storms that he has brought me through. The big ones and the little ones. And I am going to Jerusalem. And that's how it's going to be. Storms come into our lives and we cannot avoid them. But we can decide how we will embrace them. We can. They have the power to heal. And they have the power to destroy A couple of days ago, I was out there with a sprinkler, you know, the little thing, you can put it on shower, and I'm out there showering my new bushes, it's like bushes. Some of you lost your boxwoods this year, didn't you? Sorry, sorry. I only have 29 of them, and I didn't lose a one, okay? So when I'm out there watering them, and you're like, what's that idiot doing? Saving my boxwoods. And I'm out there spraying them and spraying them because I needed a storm. And when the storm started, I was like, yes yes and that's the day that the rain picked up a little harder and i was like okay i'll wipe the dog's feet all four dogs all four feet every time they come in the house from the rain i don't mind i want the storm because storms heal and storms uh destroy and we need to be aware of that so i can relate to eddie eddie rabbit saying i love a rainy night we lived in western oklahoma my wife and i you've heard me say that before My uh, brother-in-law is out there doing some visiting or something, and he just shot me a picture, and he said, I'm lost. He's from Ohio. Sent me a picture of this house, and I thought, man, I know that house. Where is that? Where is Lloyd? Is he coming to see us today? I said, where are you? He said, I'm in Oklahoma. I said, that's my old house. He said, yeah, I thought I'd send you a picture. We lived out there. Man, it's got like a 28-foot front porch that's like 8 feet deep. And the storms always come in from the back side of the house and pass over the house and go on. So it's a protected porch. And I'm telling you, the every single spring, regular as clockwork, just like bull riding, you're going to get hurt. The storm is going to come. The tornadoes are going to develop west of us. And they're going to come and go, north, I mean, go east, northeast of us. And they're going to go sailing right through there. And as soon as we see them start to pick up, my wife and I are like, fire up the coffee pot, girl. It's like, we're going to have it. It's like, do uh, you want to watch Magnum P.I.? No, no, we got a tornado coming. we got to be on the front porch. Everybody else like, get in your basement, hide, do these things. are like, these are city people. It's like we sit on the porch. And my wife, sometimes she's like, it looks pretty bad out here. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, um, do you think we should go to the basement? It's like, no, we're not going to the basement. The kids can go to the basement. She says, what if it takes us? We win. We're going to go home. Jesus went to prepare a place for me. He knows when I'm coming home. If I'm riding a tornado when it happens, all the better. But if not, I got a great sermon illustration about a horrible storm that went through my backyard. It was awesome, and the Lord saved us from it, and it was okay. But, man, you get that blanket, and we're on the front porch, and it's going to be good. Because for some reason, watching the power of God crashing into the trees and, and the wheat fields around my house, believe it or not, did, my, did not make me want to run to the basement it made me want to trust God, and I don't understand that. It was like, look at the power of God just in this wind. He is amazing. Pastor creamer. You know? It's like, I, it, it just made me want to trust God and run to him, not away from him. You know, in, in, sermon, in uh, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, those are referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is the core of Jesus' teaching. If you're trying to understand what Jesus is saying about something, go back to Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and see what he said and see if you can find it in there just a little bit. Okay, Because if you find it in there, it will make sense to you. I believe that from Matthew 5, 6, and 7, all of his teachings went out from there and, and got expounded upon. But there it is. And I love that because it addresses our humanity and our struggles and how we should be changing our lives, our thoughts, and our hearts to follow Jesus, not changing Jesus' word to fit our hearts. See, it starts with the Beatitudes, and those are the, the attitudes that we're supposed to have. And those are non-negotiables, believe it or not. They're not negotiable. Jesus said, this is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to change your attitude. And we need to grab a hold of that. He teaches us that you and I are called to be salt and light. He teaches us that if we can love our neighbors, we can fulfill the law with only two commandments, to love God and to love our neighbor. And it would be amazing. He teaches us that we're not to murder people. Once again, was there so much murdering going on? Just whacking people right and left. You know, it's just like, I know a guy. Go take care of it. No. No more murdering, okay? No more of that. Um, He said, don't take oaths. Don't swear on a stack of Bibles that this is. You can't change the Bible. You can't address the Bible. You can't do anything with the Bible. The Bible's already, it's not yours to do with. Don't swear on your head. Don't swear on the color of your hair. Don't swear on anything about you because you can't change that. So don't swear, Jesus said. Don't take oaths. Um, Jesus um, goes through there and he's talking about divorce. And he's saying, listen, when you're in it to win it, just work it out and keep pressing in. He talks about retribution. This is what you should understand about retribution. He talks about enemies. How should I address my enemies? He talks about it. He talks about how to give for all of those, those of you out in Never Never Land. Jesus never talks about giving. Right there, he talks about giving. And when you bring your gift to the altar, that's an expectation at that point, not if you bring your gift. When, okay, we're not, this is not about that, okay? But there it is, how to give. He, he, he talks about prayer. Keep it short, keep it simple. God knows what you need before you ask. Be direct. Sometimes my wife would be like, what are you doing? It's like I'm praying. I, one time I'm praying for a new guitar. She said, what? She said, don't pray for a new guitar. I said, why? I want a new guitar. You see that Taylor 910? I said, it is sharp. I said, I love that thing. I I want to trade my Takaminee in. She's like, God's going to give you whatever you pray for. When you pray for it, you get it. Like, well, he can say no. Right? He can say no. She got it for me for my anniversary. (laughs) He changed her heart, and she bought it. Yeah. Come on, no, she's a godly woman because she's listening to the Lord as he answers my prayer. It was awesome. Anyway, Jesus talks about fasting. In the the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about fasting. You say, fasting, I don't want to do that. It's Father's Day, right? We don't want to fast on Father's Day. We'll fast some other time, but not on Father's Day while we're going to the boat store. Not at all. It's like, no, no. But God calls us when you fast. You got something going on in your life? Fast. Fast. I'm I'm planning a fast coming up in July. I've got some time set aside. I've got a cabin set up. I'm going to go there with my dog, Frank. We're not taking any food. We're taking water. Well, Frank gets food. But that's it. I'm not eating his food. But, you know, that's how that is. But Frank and I are just going to go be alone with Jesus. And you can pray for me in the middle of, of July if, if you don't mind. But that's what's going on. We're called to fast. Um, Jesus talked about the focus and the purpose. Of it. Put your treasure in heaven. Put your treasure in heaven. Your treasure is not supposed to be in your garage. Your treasure is not supposed to be in your bank account. Your treasure is not supposed to be in your bed next to you. Your treasure is supposed to be in heaven. That should be the goal of working and loving and caring and serving is to see people come to know Jesus because you came to know Jesus. Now tell people. The scripture talks about not worrying, and that's a hard one for us, isn't it? That's a hard one. Let's just admit it. Um, he, He says to be careful how you judge because you'll be judged that way. But I can take you to another one where he says, stop making a wrong judgment, start making a right judgment. So now we've got to make a judgment about the judgment that we're not supposed to be making, or the judgment we are supposed to be making. It gets a little convoluted. But listen, don't condemn anybody to hell, and don't tell anybody else who you think is worth Jesus' blood. They all are. So pray for them. You don't get to throw rocks at them. You get to make a discernment on what you can do to help them. That's what you, the judgment you get to make, okay? And then he talks about uh, um, ask of God. Go ahead, ask, seek, knock. And then he talks about wide gates and narrow gates. And he's like, you know, there's a lot of heaven and hell going on here, and it's not a metaphor. And then he talks about true, false, uh, true prophets and false prophets. And then he talks about true disciples and false disciples. And then he gets down and he talks about wise people and foolish people. There, I have told you everything that is in the Beatitudes. And he wraps it up with this. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And then verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. Everyone who hears these words of mine and tries to twist them. Everybody who hears these words of mine and decides that they're not right, that that we know better than God does. Everybody that reads the word of God and looks at it and kicks it out and says, nah, that's not for our culture today or I don't like it. You don't get to do that. Everybody who um, hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. Everybody that hears these words of mine and is too busy to help their neighbor. Everybody that hears these words of mine is too busy to love their enemy. Everybody that hears these words of mine and needs to watch their favorite show because they don't have any time to think about that. like a man who built his house on the sand. Sooner or later, We've got to stop setting aside a word of God because it doesn't fit my life, my lifestyle, my choices, my career, my money, spending, whatever it might be. And we've got to stop and say, if this is what Jesus said, then there's things I can't do, there's things I can't buy, there's stuff that I can't eat, snort, drink. We have got to be willing to say no to this world so that we can say yes to the words of Jesus. What is that going to look like in our lives? He goes on to say, the rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Right? It fell with a great crash. We read the scripture and first we realize that Jesus is reminding us that we will all face storms. Real quick, if this is the only passage that you had in all of history and you didn't get a Bible and stuff like that, but you had that passage, you would know. Jesus said, you are going to face a storm. It's going to be a big storm. It's going to be a great big giant storm. Your house is going to come down. It's going to be a real storm. A tornado is going to cut through. It's going to be a horrible storm. Your spouse is going to leave you. It's going to be an awful storm. You're going to lose a child. It's going to be a difficult time because your health is going to leave you. It is going to be a storm, a big one, or it's going to be a little storm. You've got a hangnail today. It's going to be a storm because you got a bunion and it won't fit in, your foot won't fit inside your shoe. And you're like, this is just a trial that I don't think I can suffer through. Listen to me. Every one of our trials are relative to what we're going through at the time. And none of them are worth making fun of. But you're going to face storms. You will. All different kinds and sizes. And when one goes away and you're like, ah, you just understand we're, we're storm chasers. Just like out in Oklahoma. Get in the truck. That tornado just went zipping by and we weren't ready. We can catch it by the time we get to Carnegie. It'll be all right. All right? Second, Jesus says we choose how we will respond. You're going to build a foundation on Jesus Christ or you're going to build a foundation on this culture? You're going to build a foundation on your personal belief system because you refuse to believe that Jesus really does mean that. Well, he can't do that because, no, he means that. When you see him, he's going to mean it. And it's going to be a hard thing to deal with. And third, finally, Jesus says that wise people will be victorious. Because wise people will choose the layer of the foundation. The foundation that we have, uh, Paul says, is Jesus Christ. His teachings. Will you accept the blood that was shed for you and not accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? But surrender to him as your Lord and Savior and get up and say, Now what, Lord? Instead of, Come on, Lord, I need that new guitar. See? Two different scenarios there. Jesus' brother James writes us this letter. James, John and James, James didn't write the book of James. Jesus' brother James wrote the book of James, okay? So he believed at some point, he came around and was like, Well, he was an idiot before, but he must be the Son of God now because I'm seeing it. You know, I mean, he came to the truth but just imagine if it was your brother. It's like, no, oh, no, couldn't be my brother. They thought that too. They're human beings. Okay? But he came around and he says, "Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face stormy nights, trials of many kinds." No. No, I'm not counting it pure joy. I don't get excited when things get hard and difficult. I cry and whine and get on my knees and say, Lord, you don't understand. Somebody ate the last Oreo. I am suffering down here in Richmond. And I know, I know, but there's people over there that they're still eating Thin Mints from the Girl Scouts. That's all they've got. They don't have Oreos. So you should be happy that you at least had an Oreo. No, I'm just saying James says, and he challenges us to change our attitude toward the storms that we face, the difficult times, and he says, do yourself a favor, and when you're facing a storm, choose to say, something's going on, and count it joy, he says, when you face these, because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And he goes on to say, and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We need to persevere not give up. We need to fight, not quit. We need to speak up, not shut up. We don't have to throw rocks at anybody, but it doesn't mean we don't speak the truth in a manner in which we hope they understand it and receive it and come to know Jesus, just like we did. We've got to persevere. Hebrews 10 says that we are of those who persevere and are saved. Revelation says those who persevere will eat from the tree of life. So what happens to those who don't persevere? Remember, he's talking to the church when he says this. What happens when they don't persevere? Wrestle with it. Peter says to us, in all this you greatly rejoice, though for now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer. What? We may have had to suffer as Christian people? Yes. Sometimes we do suffer. We have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, this proven genuineness of your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is, uh, when He is revealed. So the storms make our faith worth more than gold to us if we will cling to it. The storms prove our faith to us. It doesn't prove our faith to God. God already knows. So when we go through a trial, God's trying to convince us of our own faith. He already believes. The question is, will we believe? The storms in our life teach us to trust God. We learn to grow, fight, tackle, and persevere, or we learn to lay down, curl up in a fetal position, scream, cry, and whine, and say, God, make it go away. But here's a point. The trial becomes our educator, or we become its slave. The trial we're going through either becomes something that we learn from our educator, or it becomes our identity and our slave, and we never stop talking about it. But you get to decide. You get to decide. The words of the the three Hebrew men in Daniel have long helped me focus when I'm going through difficult times. And I've been through difficult times. Some big ones and some little ones. Lost a father-in-law at 54 years old that I just absolutely loved with all of my heart. Thought I was going to have him for 20 years to teach me how to be a godly man and chase after Jesus and be a good husband. And he was everything that I needed as a role model and never had. But I love these words in Daniel chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego not Abednego, okay, Abednego, Abednego replied to King Nebuchadnezzar. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this manner. Think about that when you're going through a trial. We don't have to defend ourselves, okay? We don't have to go all Job's friends on everybody. He says, if we are thrown into that blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. I love that. Yes, King Nebuchadnezzar, make that fire hotter. Because I'm telling you right now, my God is able to save me from that fire and from your hand. And we don't care. But even, and this is my important part, but even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. You know why? Because it's a win-win. If they chase after God and God saves them from the fiery furnace, just like he did. The fourth man in the fire, you know, you know the, the Southern gospel music. We're there, right? Come on, somebody get up in here and pick it out. There we go. Yeah. He was the fourth. Okay, but anyway, okay? They threw the boys in, heated up seven times more. Threw the boys in, and they were walking around in there. And then there was a fourth person who was like unto the Son of God. And there he was. Okay, they win. They come out not even smelling like they've been cooked a little bit. Okay? But if they did die and they got cooked right away, they go home. I mean, not them. They had to wait on Jesus. But still, you and I, what are we screaming and crying about? Why are we living in fear of dying? We don't die. We just change residence. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. The goal of Christian people is to go home and hear the Father say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the rest prepared for you since the foundation of the world. That's the goal. That's why James says, Count it all joy. Count it pure joy when you face these trials. Because you know it will work your faith into gold, which is uh, your faith into yeah, gold. And, and, and it'll teach you to persevere, and perseverance will mature. And, and, and it's like God is trying to help us to win. We don't just have to lay down on the, the ground and scream and cry. So let me just share these three prayers with you real quick. And they're short. I believe in short prayers. I do some long stuff, but, you know, uh, when, the, when the situation calls. But short prayers, three of them. You in the middle of a trial right now? You in the middle of a difficult situation, and you're like, yeah, man, I cut my fingernail too short today, and it's just, man, eh. it's a little sore. Okay, that's a trial. Okay. Hey. My husband just left me. My wife just left me. I just lost my job. Yeah, that's a tough one. Hey, doctor just came in and said I had cancer. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Hey, uh, we just got kicked out of our house and we're homeless. That's a tough one. And it's important. You going through a tough time? Hey, I don't know what's going on, but I just feel so far from God. You're in this room because the Lord needs you to hear this message. You're not here because your mama brought you or that pretty girl you're sitting next to brought you. You're in this room because you have an appointment for God. Every day ordained for me was written down in his book before one of them came to pass. (laughs) He knew you were coming. He corralled you because he loves you. And maybe it's time for you to surrender your life to Jesus. Here's the three prayers that I want to encourage you. When you find yourself in a storm, you say, Pastor Joe, we're going through it. Number one, God, reveal your presence to me in this storm, please. Amen. That's all. Ask God to reveal his presence to you. He said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. And I'm telling you, I have lived some dark days and I have seen the Lord right next to me when I wanted to do awful things to myself. I get it. I get it. Life can get hopeless. Don't do it. The Lord has not forgotten you are in the school of God and it's not always fun it wasn't for Joseph in the bottom of the well it wasn't for Joseph in the prison underneath the house but God was working to answer his prayer as he lived faithful to God for 40 years there is no place that I can go the psalmist said that God you are not there already If I go to the highest height, Lord, you're there. And if I go to the depths of hell itself, Lord, you're there. Where can I escape from, God? Nowhere. Nowhere. So prayer number one is, God, please reveal yourself to me in this situation. I need to see you. I need to sit with you. I need to hold your hand. Number two, Father, help me to learn the lesson of this rainy night. I believe that every time I go through a trial, God's trying to teach me something, and the faster I learn that lesson, the quicker I get through the trial. I just believe that. So it's okay to say, God, what do you want me to learn from this? Do you know that Paul never in the New Testament, not once, and please read your Bible and, and, and prove me wrong, not once does he say, I was thrown into prison unjustly. Pray that they get me out of here. He never, ever says that. He says, hey, guys, I got thrown in prison, but this is for the glory of the Lord. I'm going to start a Bible study, so please help me to be more bold. Pray that I'm more bold when I start this small group over in the murderer section that I kept, you know, talking about. See? That's what what he does because he knows that God is there. And this is a lesson, and if he can learn it, he can turn it into this next prayer. Father, turn this trial into a victorious testimony. Because it's an experience, not a life sentence. It's not where you stop and build your identity. It's where you go through an experience. A trial, a temptation, a difficulty, a cancer, a lack of money, a homelessness, a rejection, Um, uh, pick something it's an experience not an identity you are a child of God he knows exactly where you are he died for you he's not giving up on you ever even when you give up on yourself don't do it it was Jesus that said come follow me and I will make you make you change you, shape you mold you, take away from you, put back on you, call you away from, call you into it was Jesus that said come follow me and I will make you, that's why you've got to surrender and not accept Jesus surrender when you say I tried church, I tried religion, I tried all this, it didn't work for me you didn't hire the man His dad sent him down here to die for you. Surrender and say, what do you want, Lord? What can I learn, Lord? How can I help people where I am, Lord? And then the last thing is, he says, go tell your family what I've done for you. So in that last prayer, Father, turn this trial into a testimony. God's waiting for you to tell some people. I'm just saying that if you take those three prayers and you begin to process the trials that you're in you might find yourself getting out of that trial just a little bit faster if you back up and you say hmm let me pray god's trying to reveal to me that i didn't do it the way his word said to do it if i go back and do it the way his word said to do it i might see some things change in my life and he's waiting on you he's not going to move you forward until you move forward you're going to move forward by saying i'll have some of that jesus some extra sacrifice, some extra let it go, some extra give it away, some extra sell it all and come and follow you. I'll have some extra of that. Watch what happens to your circumstance when you decide that Jesus can be Lord of your life. So what are you going through today? What are you trying to withstand that nobody knows about? You're ashamed to say, you're mad at God. You could be mad at God. Just don't sin, okay? Just, but be mad at him because you just don't understand what he's doing. We're always mad when somebody's not doing what we say. But if we surrender to him and we do what he says, life changes. Life changes. Would you come on up to your feet? We're going to go into this last song. But before we do, you're in this room with me, and I just want to say, I can see your faces. I know the Lord is doing something in your heart, in your life. Would you come up here if you're like, yeah, I can relate to that. I need to see more of God. I need to see him in this place. I feel alone. God, I need to learn the lesson of this trial I'm going through. Please help me to hear you. Or if it's like, Lord, I need to testify, show me, point me. Or I've been denying my ability to go tell my family what Jesus did in my life, but it's time. Listen to me. If any of that resonates with you, would you please come up here right now? I need to pray with you. I won't stay here all day. It's Father's Day. I got big plans. I got a dad's root beer out there waiting on me, ma'am. You know you need prayer. And I know because the Holy Spirit opened up this altar for first service. Come here. I need to pray for you. There you go. Good for you. Doesn't mean you're more holy. Doesn't mean you're less holy. Just means you're just human like the rest of us. Don't you ever forget that. Ever. You're here and you're like, yep, I need to quit drinking. I need to give it up. I need to quit lying. I need to quit stealing. I need to quit. I need to just leave my bad attitude at home on the bedstead. Because I got a bad attitude and I don't know why. Come on up here. We just want to pray with you. That's all. Nothing weird. Nothing crazy. That's up to the Holy Spirit. He does that, not me. Okay? We want to pray with you. You should never have to go through a difficult time by yourself, ever. That's what it means to be a church community. I don't want to be a church where you show up for the show on Sunday morning. I want to be a church that cries for you, pays for you, helps you, comes alongside of you, is there for you, finds a job for you. I want to be a church that is a community, that is a family, not that just says it's a family. That's what we're here for. All right, now I need the prayer team. Okay? Okay? Janice, are you in here? Do you have that piece of paper? I still like the Holy Spirit's telling you to do that now. Because I believe the Lord wants to answer your prayer right here, right, th- right this second, so you talk to her. Alright. We need you to start praying for these people. I'm gonna pray, but I want you to pray. Okay? and then you keep praying and I'm going to get off the stage and we're going to sing this song let's pray fathers we come before you God I don't want to do this without you God I don't want to tell people about you if you're not going to be here Holy Spirit I want to tell people that they need to invite you into your life if you're not going to show up and wreck them God I'm here wreck me kill me bring me home I don't care I just want to do your work and if I'm going to do your work then I need what you have in order to get it done and this is for you these are your kids they're not mine God and they need their lives changed They need you to come in here as a consuming fire and just burn out the wheat chaff, Lord. Get rid of the enemy in their lives. God, we speak against the cancer. We speak against the health issues. We speak against the lies. We speak against the the understanding that more is better. God, it's not. It just hinders us down. But we need our needs met. We need food, God. We need a roof. We need a job. We need an income. And we need your presence right here, right now. We need to see you. We want to talk with you. And we want to talk about you to people. We need you, Holy Spirit. And so we're asking you to come right now. Physical healing in the name of Jesus. Physical healing in the name of Jesus right here, Lord. Your love is here. Jesus died for us not so that he could reject us or leave us or, but God we don't understand everything and so we're here more of you Lord please more of you we just want you right here right now don't let us go home Lord to the same people that we were when we walked in because we need you and God we release this right here in Jesus name not because of our righteousness God my righteousness is Jesus and that's all I have I have nothing else Except you, Father, who I know loves me so much. Let them experience this love right here today, Lord, right here. In Jesus' name.